Hello, my name is Elliot Waters and thank you for listening to the Dysregulated Podcast. Today I'm coming at you and speaking to you from my car. Now you might ask the question, why Elliot are you talking from your car? Is it because of acoustics? And the answer to that is no, it's not got anything to do with sound quality. It's got everything to do with social anxiety disorder. So you can imagine that will be a bit of a theme today on the episode. Although this episode, I'm just going to sort of wing it. I've got a few little ideas. I'm going to riff it. We'll just see what comes out. Either way, it's going to be a good journey. So strap yourself in. Let's go. So the big news yesterday was my results of my degree came out. Now, you might remember in the episode thesis part B, D day that I did, which is really good. So, you know, I highly recommend listening to it if you haven't already. I said something like I was waiting for the euphoria to hit. I'm just waiting patiently. I'm sure it's coming, but it'd be good if I hurried up. Well, I can tell you this right now. I'm still waiting. There has been no euphoria. Now, the reason for that is that once I submitted that that assignment, well, assignment, that thesis, usually you would have relief and go, oh, thank goodness that's done. You know, I think that's what usually happens for people. But for me, as soon as I submitted it, straight away, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to fail that. So the anxiety went from you're not going to submit and then it transformed into, yeah, you've submitted, but you're going to fail it anyway. So I have been extremely stressed the last two, two and a half, three weeks thinking that I'm going to fail. I was thinking, hey, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to delete the podcast. I'm going to have to get a new identity because so much of my identity is wrapped up in hopefully being a psychologist and so many more things as well. So yesterday was a very stressful day waiting for the results to hit at midnight. Very stressful. So stressful, in fact, that my blood pressure at one point was 184 over 104. So that is get your ass to the hospital now because you're in trouble sort of zone, sort of territory. So that's sort of what I did. And as well, I knew that if I did fail the degree, I'd be in really big trouble mentally as well. So what I did, I actually drove to the hospital, which is where the the psych ward is that I've already spoken about on the podcast so far. I drove there. I was parked out the front. So if it all went pear-shaped, I'd be able to duck straight up there and say, look, give me something to lower my blood pressure and I'm going back in. But thankfully, that did not have to happen. I passed and I passed well. A minor miracle, I think. I can't believe I got it in and I can't believe it was actually half decent. So again, I'm sort of, there's this thought that I've had all through school, all through university, which is, you know what, Elliot, if you could just figure out how to be a good student, imagine how good we could be. And Although that is sort of true, it's obviously not that simple, especially with a lot of the things going on in my world. So so the good news is that I did pass the degree and it's now official. I have got a Bachelor of Psychology with honours and I don't have to think about it again. And the good news is for you guys, hopefully I won't talk too much about it from now on because I am sick of talking about it. So yeah, so it's a great result. Very happy. My blood pressure went down, which is good. I did do another, I actually brought my machine with me and I was doing it every 15 minutes and I ran out of batteries, had to go to the survey, get more batteries. So this is how obsessive I was getting over these numbers. And luckily I made a decision when I got the uh, 182 over 104 that if the next reading 
which was after the results were done. So that reading was just before the results were released and the next reading was just after. If the blood pressure was the same or more, I was, I was going to have to go into the emergency department. But thankfully, gradually, it started to go down, which is good. Um, but I think there will be more to say on that one because I've got a funny feeling more than one of my medications is causing my blood pressure to go to this sort of level and there's a history of it in the family, so we need to be careful. And I also take propranolol, which is a beta blocker, which lowers blood pressure, but you also use it if you're anxious because it stops those physiological responses like the racing heart, the sweaty, clammy hands, um, tremor, all that sort of stuff. It's really good at, at nullifying that, nullifying the adrenaline pumping through. But the thing is, I'd had a lot of propranolol yesterday and my blood pressure was still sky high. So that is a bit of a problem. But anyway, we'll see how we go there. That'll be, that'll be the next topic at my next doctor's appointment. So the thing is though, so I want to explain a little bit about what, why my brain or my anxiety likes to just jump around and latch onto something, anything, and just amplify it and make life very difficult. So this is how silly it is. I'll say silly. Um, so my first anxious with the degree was I'm not going to finish it. Then the next one was, yeah, you submitted it, but you're going to fail. And as soon as I got the marks that said I was well and truly above a pass mark, which is great, straight away, my first thought was they'll get you for plagiarism. <laughs> and I got to laugh because I don't, I don't plagiarize, you know, obviously who that's not a good thing to do. But like, I really don't plagiarize. And, and the fact that my mind would go to something like that when it should know better, I think that really highlights where there's this difference between, oh, this is a stressful thing. And if I finish it though, that stress disappears versus psychological disorder. You keep ticking those boxes and the anxiety will find something else to latch on to until you mitigate and neg- the the um the effects of anxiety so the way i see it is every stressor i guess has a net contribution to the overall anxious stressful state that we're in so if you don't have a psychological disorder but you've got real world stresses you know once you get rid of one whatever percentage of the overall is in that one stressor you take it away and then the the overall total starts to drop. When you've got an anxiety disorder, it doesn't matter. So I take the degree away and there's this big gaping hole and that hole is tranquility and calmness. And instantly the anxiety fills that hole with something else. So that I think is one of the key determinants of the sort of psychological disorders versus life problems. Now don't get me wrong, life problems are not fun either, and they can turn into psychological problems very easily. But as I think I, I showed just then, like these disorders don't work on logic. There was no logic for me to think straight away as soon as I got the great mark that they're going to get you for plagiarism. There was no logic in that at all. And I was actually, I actually was very shocked when it happened. I didn't, you know, which goes to show how much control do we really have over ourselves. But yeah, so. Anxiety is a problem now. So let's swing back. So that 
anxiety there. That's, that is the generalized anxiety disorder component that's working there and latching itself onto all these different scenarios and situations and creating stressors out of nothing. Social anxiety, though, is a bit different because, again, it's mostly to do with social phobia and that fear of judgment. So this ties into why I'm sitting in my car right now recording this episode. So where I live, I need to explain a little bit where I live and how I live. So I live in this share house thing. There's like 40 rooms. It's an old Catholic monastery. And that might sound sort of cool and like, you know, historic. It's not. It's a bit of a dump. But anyway, this is where I live, room 32. And and the people there are, are, you know, let's put it this way. I've learned a lot about behavioral science while I've lived there. But the other thing is, though, I actually feel quite at home with these people too. So I don't mean that in a disparaging way. No way. I feel very accepted. Um, but so I'm in my room when I do these podcast episodes and, you know, I'm a pretty loud talker. So I've been told, and I'm always so self-conscious that people are listening and that, you know, people will be walking down the hall and they can hear from my room, me bellowing about mental health and my own story, which is funny that I would fear their judgment about my um, mental health story when I'm more than happy to put it on a podcast and, and anyone can listen to it. So anyway, again, logic isn't strong when it comes to these things, these disorders. Um, but unfortunately, the last probably two, three days, my social anxiety has kicked up a notch and I just could not do it. I could not record this episode back at home because I was fearful that people were listening and judging me for it. So that is why I'm in the car now. And to be honest, I'm in the car, but I'm looking around and a car, another car um, almost pulled up beside me, which, which would have been difficult. But anyway, they kept going, which is good. So that is why I'm talking here today, because my social anxiety is through the roof, along with my blood pressure. I wonder if they're linked, maybe. But I said to a friend earlier, and this is the bit that's difficult is that social anxiety, general anxiety, they're my anxiety twins, or not, not identical twins, but twins. And out of all my different diagnoses, let's go through them just in case you've forgotten, Bi- bipolar type two, borderline personality disorder, ADHD, uh, social anxiety, generalized anxiety, seasonal affective disorder. Um, oh, I always forget. Oh, Caffeine abuse disorder. <laughs> you got to laugh. Anyway, um, out of all of these disorders, it's the anxiety ones that I just can't see how I'm going to get where I want to get and get those symptoms in remission. Like the other ones I can't like. The borderline stuff is mostly in remission, which is great. The bipolar is under control for the most part, which is great. Um, okay, caffeine abuse disorder, that needs a lot of work. I'll admit that. But I can't see how I'm going to, or what the, what the framework is for me to get over the social anxiety, generalized anxiety components. I just can't see it. And I don't believe either, and this is just as bad, is that I don't believe I've actually made any great strides when it comes to trying to put them back in their box. So, which is really disappointing, but you know, that is what it is. That, that is obviously a big challenge now that the degree's over. It's all about getting getting that head right and the and the anxiety stuff is really at the top of that list because I should not have to drive 
to a secluded sort of area near one of the beaches here in Newcastle, beautiful, um, just to do this episode because I've got this fear that people are listening and judging me. Like, it's a bit ridiculous. And unfortunately, it's not It's not just the podcast. It's many different scenarios where this happens, and it is a big, big problem. So essentially, I remember I had a, I had a girlfriend once, um, and she made me this card for Christmas, and it was really lovely. And she basically said in this card that she really hopes I, I learn not to be scared of living. And I've, I always think of that so often. It, it really struck a chord and it still does. I actually found that card the other day because I, I was thinking about it. And it's so true. If I was to assess myself, what's my biggest problem? I would say I'm scared of living, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. And that's a big problem. So hopefully, hopefully... Don't get me wrong, like I'm doing a lot of research. I'm going to find out what the answer is. And when I do, I'll I'll be letting you all know. But hopefully I will figure out what it is that I need to do to get on top of these two particular disorders. Because if if they're put in their box, all of a sudden we're starting to look good. But anyway, we'll be working on that. Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention is, is identity. Yeah, that's a big one, identity. So, borderline personality disorder. If you look at the DSM-5, which I don't expect people to do that, but I have looked at the DSM-5, and one of the criterias is identity disturbance. So essentially that means that for me, anyway, this is this is how it works out for me. Now, my identity disturbance isn't as strong as many who have borderline personality, but it is still there. So for example, sometimes I'm the athlete Elliot, the one that runs and has done marathons and, you know, goes to the gym, that guy. Although I haven't been that guy for a while, but I'm hoping he comes back soon. Um, another identity is the rock and roll star, you know, where I think I'm, I don't know, Liam Gallagher from Oasis or Angus Young from ACDC. And, you know, I dress in that more Denim, there's more denim for that identity than the sporting one. And then there's academic Elliot, which went missing this year. And and then there's sort of little ones like that. They're not complete personality changes and they're not complete identity changes either. They're, they're sort of just a tilt towards different interests each time. Um, so there's no like multiple personalities going on, which is disassociative identity disorder. DID. That's not what's going on, but you know, it's sort of, it can be a similar sort of thing, but not to the same level with some people with borderline. Um, but another of my identities, well, I guess this is a, a part of the academic sort of identity is that for four years, five years, actually, my, I'm, I'm a student that that's the badge that I wore. What, what have you been up to Elliot? Oh, uh, you know, just working hard, trying to finish my degree, you know, and all that. Oh, great. What are you going to do when you finish it? I'll be a psychologist, hopefully. Um, so being a student is definitely an identity. And the thing is, now it's gone. I'm not a student anymore. See you later. Now, don't get me wrong. I may be a student again in the future, hopefully. But as it stands now, that identity is gone. And there's this void. And and I tell you what, in, I... When I submitted the other week, the the first emotion I felt was sadness. 
because I was sad that I would miss the university. I would miss, you know, the routines that, although I didn't stick to very well, but, you know, the routines I tried to stick to, um, of going to the library at night, you know, all this sort of stuff. It was very sad. And it, it was like I'd lost a part of me at that moment, which is pretty common, they say. That, that, that I think that is common because you're building towards this massive goal. And once you hit the top of the mountain, it's like, what now? Do we just go back down? And then you sort of do. And I guess too, as you submit your assessment, you're at the top of the pile. And then once it's in, you're thrown back down to the bottom again and you've got to work up from the bottom. So, and and obviously out there in the jobs world is is quite different and you've got to start at the bottom. That's just the way it is. So I lost a bit of my identity and that might sound a bit over the top, but I'm telling you, for me at least, it's a pretty big thing. And I haven't quite reconciled that with myself. Working on it, but haven't quite got there yet. But this it doesn't just happen with university. I know people that have been working at a certain job for X amount of time, and then they leave the job, and it's the same thing. Oh, you're the guy that works here. You're the guy that looks after this place. You're in charge of this thing. And then all of a sudden, it's gone, and you've got to fill that void. And I was talking to a psychologist um, the other day, and we were talking about this identity stuff. Uh, this wasn't my personal psychologist. This was a, a friend. And he said that some people do grieve. They go through the stages of grief when changing jobs if if they don't leave on the terms that they would want to or if they leave and they didn't particularly want to at all. So they, these are real big issues that might not seem that big on the face of it, but but yeah, the, the evidence is out there, that's for sure. So I'd be interested to know if you guys have had similar things happen because, yeah, it, this whole losing my identity, like even I said before that I'm not much of an athlete anymore. Well, if you listen to the episode Run, Elliot, Run, basically that episode is all about me trying to reclaim my athlete identity and how difficult it is that it's gone and the guilt that I felt for letting it go. So definitely watch that, ep- uh, listen to that episode. Um, so yes, so I think we might leave it there. I hope my ramblings made sense. As I said, this wasn't really structured and you probably could tell that, but I think we got a few points across, which is good. And I don't even know how it sounds. Maybe it sounds terrible. I'll have to play it back. If you get to hear this, obviously I've decided it sounds good enough. Maybe the acoustics in the car will be very beneficial. I'm not sure. But if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, subscribe, share. That would be awesome. And follow me on Instagram if you'd like, at elliot.t.waters. And if you'd like me to talk about something on the show, please message me and I will do my best at, at getting stuck into that topic and see what we come up with. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.